What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We're going to talk about the NFL Combine, what we saw. We're going to dive deep into not just the Combine, but to the NFL Draft, which is coming up uh, very soon in the month of April. If you like the podcast, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. Make sure you like and follow, share with your friends, share on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on social media. Uh, my hope is that as NFL draft season starts to come, I'm going to be be off of my hiatus. I'm going to be back uh, at least once every other week. That That's my hope. Maybe a little bit more often. I, I got to look at the schedule here and see what I can actually do. I know I'll be away next week. Uh, because I'll be on a spring break service trip, but I'll be back after that. Uh, excited to dig in on the NFL Combine and Big Ten prospects. Uh, uh, at the end, I will talk about the quarterback, uh, particularly the, the top of the quarterback hierarchy uh, at, at, as pertains to the NFL draft. But I want to really dive into how Big Ten players did particularly folks that stood out because one of the things I love about the NFL draft, one of the things I love about uh, about this time of year is this is where teams become contenders and Super Bowl winners. Teams dig in and find guys, not just at the top of the draft, but at the bottom of the draft who can fill out their rosters in a way where they can, they can take the salary cap stuff because that's stuff you, you don't think about in college, right? You, you don't have a salary cap uh, in, in college, even with NIL. Now there's no salary cap, right? Um, but you've got to think about how to wisely construct your roster where you, you have enough money to pay all your players. And often your best contracts come through the draft because you're getting the minimum that that you would pay, you know, a, a premier quarterback, or you're getting the minimum for a, a sixth round running back who you might pay five or 600 grand instead of 6 million a year. So there, there's just, there's a lot of strategy and you, you'll notice most teams that are in the playoffs every year are not just teams that make splashy free agent plays. They are teams that draft well and not just at the top of the draft, but at the bottom, right? Who would have thought that a key piece of the Kansas City Chiefs offense would have been a running back from Rutgers named Isaiah Pacheco? By the way, I've talked about on this podcast in, in the past as a really nice player on a not not very good team yet. But I was, you know, him and Mo, Bo Melton both were were guys that were sought after in later rounds last year. And a lot of got people don't think, well, Rutgers is not a great team yet. I think Greg Shiano is doing some great things with them, uh, making them more com competitive and competent. But who would have thought that Pacheco would have been a key piece to their offense, uh, key piece to a Super Bowl winning team. So that's the thing I love about the draft. And, and it really start, it started with the Senior Bowl and with the East-West Shrine game and, and all that stuff. But the combine seems to be maybe the, the key piece. So I'm going to just talk, I'm going to go through uh, some key players. I, I have pulled up the, the CBS uh, kind of notable got people. And then there was, they had some winners and losers as well. I'm not going to get as much into that. There's, there's one player on there that I'm, very upset about that they said was a loser. And I'm, I'm just, it's going to be at the end with the quarterback stuff. We'll, we'll get to that, but let's start. I'm just going to go from end to front. Let's start with the running backs. You know, a lot of people were excited to see Bijan Robinson work out from Texas, Devin a chain from Texas A&M, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama. Those are kind of the headliners. Um, Chase Brown from Illinois, 4.43 in the 40-yard dash. Evan Hall from Northwestern, 4.47. Now, you all know I, I, I love me some Chase Brown. Chase Brown had a really nice workout, had the best vertical jump, 40, uh, 40 inches on the vertical jump, had the best 
broad jump, 10 feet, seven inches. Um, you know, aside from his 40 time, he was maybe the, the most athletic out of the, uh, that running back group. Now he straight line speed, not as much, but you know, those jumps are going to really help him. Um, I, I think that's going to push him maybe to the second or third round. Um, I, I wasn't sure how, how far he'd get because he had a lot of usage. His usage rate was high at Illinois. So he got a lot of good numbers and he played really well, but I wasn't sure how he would translate, you know, when you, you took away some of the usage, how is, how would his explosion be? And I, at least from the, some of the things that you're seeing in the combine that might push him up to that second tier of backs. I, I think a chain and Gibbs um, and uh, Bijan Robinson are clearly kind of the, the clear cut first round guys or like top guys, but chase Brown, I think has put him in a himself in a really nice position out of Illinois. Evan Hall, I, you know, I think he's fast, you know, ran a four, four, seven, had a good, again, a good vertical jump, had the same vertical jump as Bijan, had the same vertical jump as uh, Zach Charbonnet, formerly out of Michigan. But I, I don't, there, I don't think there's enough on tape to push him to day two, but I think he did help himself to at least have day three consideration, right? I think he'll be, you know, maybe a fifth, sixth round pick. Um, he might also slide and it might benefit him to not be drafted. And so then he can be a free agent signing. But I do think he he helped his stock to make a roster. Um, and again, I think Evan Hall is an underrated guy. You know, I don't think he's super shifty, which I think is going to hurt him a little bit. But he's athletic, in, in, at least in in straight speed. And, and he's tough, like he's a bruiser, uh, between the tackles. So, uh, really nice showing for both Evan Hall and Chase Brown. Um, we're going to move to the offensive tackles and, you know, Broderick Jones sub five second 40. Um, he's, he's, I think one of the top tackles in this class, uh, Jordan McFadden out of Clemson, you know, he's a big name. The guys though, I, and I think they, they might be three of the top four tackles in this draft, two out of Ohio state and one out of Northwestern Peter Skronsky, uh, who I think was on everybody's all American team. Uh, you know, he ran, you know, for an offensive tackle 5.16, um, had a really, you know, sizable vertical jump. Uh, he had a nice broad jump, you know, but he looked great in drills as well. Like he was very fluid in drills. A lot of people think he's a lock to go in the top half of the first round. Um, and then the two guys out of Ohio state, Dewan Jones uh, just measured. I'm just, I mean, he was always going to measure ridiculous, you know, six, eight, three sixty seven. Um, but his wingspan is over seven feet. Uh, he ran the 40 and he ran it in 5.35 seconds. I know you might hear that number and think ah, that's kind of slow, right? He's freaking 370 pounds. Like that's ridiculous. I, I mean, and he, I mean, he's, he's moving for, for that size. And I mean, between that and his senior bowl performance, I think you could see him sneak into the back half of the first round. Um, and then his counterpart on the other side of the offensive line, Paris Johnson Jr., you know, he didn't do a lot of drills. Uh, he did do the broad jump. And it was, it was, I think, it was good. It wasn't great. It was nine, nine feet, two inches. He didn't run the 40. Um which will be a trend you'll see with Ohio state players. And we'll, we'll talk about that. But I thought that Paris in the drill work was where he really shined. And I think he is probably going to be a top 12 pick 
I would say top 10, but I think there's a lot of impact players that'll go. Um, if Jalen Carter doesn't fall too far with uh, his legal issues, um, you've got Will Anderson, you have the quarterbacks, you have, uh, I think, a few other defensive players that that might sneak into that top 10. But I, I, I really like Paris Johnson. I think Broderick Jones uh, is a first round pick. And then I think DeWand, I think Peter Skronsky, those four, those four guys are are really, really good. And I think there's a couple other guys that could probably sneak in there too, which leads to, I think the biggest winner is, is a guy that's not in the NFL draft. It's uh, Olu Fashnu out of Penn State. Not because I don't think he can hang with these guys, but I think if he declared this year, especially with his health history um, over this past season, he could have gotten knocked and maybe slid to the second round. And that's not because he's not as good as some of these guys. I think he's an elite tackle prospect. I, I really think he's going to show out if he, if he can stay healthy, that that's the key. If he stays healthy, he might be not just a top 10 pick. He might end up being a top five pick, but I think he was smart to go back to school with Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones and Peter Skronsky all coming out in this draft. Those are all high level guys. Dewan, Dewan's a little, you know, under the radar, but he's, he's becoming not under the radar. I mean, how could you, how could you be on, under the radar when you're that big and, and that athletic, like he's a, a big man and he's really athletic, but I really, I think Olu Fashnu might be the biggest winner because I think he's going to be a top five pick next year. And I think he, I think he saved himself for a couple of reasons. One, I don't think the quarterback class is nearly as good next year. So he's not going to be competing with as many high level quarterbacks or as many high level defensive players. And then I think he's going to be the top tackle in the draft next year. So he's the biggest winner, but I think, you know, the Big Ten is going to be well represented with at, at offensive tackle. Uh, I'm going to skip skip quarterback for now. Um, we're going to go instead to the tight end position. You know, Dar Darnell Washington out of Georgia tested out of his mind. Michael Mayer was always going to, you know, be a, a classic tight end. Uh, but I think the two guys that really set themselves up to be maybe tight ends three and four, uh, well, at least tight end three, I don't know about the the second guy, but Sam Laporta, uh, who has been the do it all, uh, the do it all back or do it all tight end at Iowa. I think he's tight end three and I don't think it's cl close. Like I think, I think Washington mayor and Laporta are the top three tight ends. Uh, Sam Laporta is, I think his floor is third round. And I think he, he could probably sneak into the second round. Um, I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of round one tight ends. I think maybe if someone wants to go Darnell Washington because of his freakish athleticism, but I think, I don't think Michael Mayer is going to be, if he's, if he's in the first round, it's at, it's at the bottom. Like I, he's more of a, I think a round two guy. And I think Laporta is right there with him. Um, so I think he really did himself some favors. He ran a four, five, nine in the 40, uh, Schoonmaker, uh, out of Michigan, you know, had a really good broad jump. Brenton strange is another guy, um, out of Penn state, uh, 10 foot, uh, 10 foot, four inch, uh, broad jump. And then he had a, he also had a really nice, uh, vertical jump. But I, I think Brenton Strange will probably be day three. You know, I think his athleticism uh, is is going to help him. But I just, I, I think he was inconsistent. He was a bit inconsistent at Penn State. So I think that's going to push him to the to day three. It'll be interesting to see with Schoonmaker because you know he he was an impact guy until you know until he got hurt and you know then he you know Michigan just. Rolled out another good tight end, right? Um, but Schoonmaker, I, I think, could make some noise as well. He had a, a, a good workout with his broad jump. Um, 
so I, you know, but I think Sam Laporta, he, he's the guy that I would earmark as tight end three. The, the, the one thing that, that I will say is I think tight end, you can get guys, you can get teams who get a little, not greedy, but they, they can start to think, well, athleticism, you see this guy, there, there's a lot of guys that did test, you know, in the 40, really what will Mallory out of Miami ran a four, five, four, Zach Kuntz out of old dominion ran a four, five, five. So you, I, I could see, well, and uh, it'd be hard because Sam Laporta ran a four, five, nine. So I think Laporta has solidified himself at, at his floor as the third best tight end in this class. And I, I think you could make a strong argument that he he's on par with Mike, Michael Mayer. Um, I know Notre Dame fans may not like to hear that. Um, but I, I, I love, I love Sam Laporta. I think he's, you know, he did really, really well at, at, at Iowa for as long as he was there. Um, I think Brenton Strange could could obviously. I think that he he helped himself a bit with his workout, um, and so did Luke Schoonmaker. Um, we're gonna go to wide receivers, then we're gonna take a quick break. Um, wide receivers, I, Trey Palmer, man. I think Trey Palmer, you know, he he flashed a lot at Nebraska. You know, Nebraska didn't have a lot to be excited about. But he flashed a lot at Nebraska, and he ran a four three three in the forty. That'll get some teams excited, like faster than Jalen Hyatt, faster than Zay Flowers, faster than Jordan Addison. He's faster than Jordan Addison by full point one five. You know that that's really really good. Um, and so I, you know. Do I think that Trey Palmer is going to be a day two pick? No, but I, he might've solidified himself with a fourth or fifth round pick, or may, maybe someone takes a flyer on him and, and jumps up and does get him in, in round three because of the speed. I, I still think he's, he's, I don't think he's a lock to be picked. And, and that's, that's the difficulty with, with day three is that, Guys who you might think would settle in nicely as a round four, round five pick, you're starting to draft on need. And so if if, may, if there's a team that's like, we think that maybe he can take the top out, off a of defense, he might go in round, even in round three, maybe round four. But then they're, if they're like, well, we've got that, he could easily fall out of the draft. But he helped himself for sure with that, with that time. Um, the guy who really helped himself and I think it's going to put him squarely in the wide receiver one conversation. Quite honestly, I don't think it's close. Jackson Smith and Jigba reminded everybody who he is. Jackson Smith and Jigba reminded us that he was the best receiver in the best receiving core. And I know that's, you know, I'm, I, I think Marvin Harrison's ceiling is higher than Jackson, but watching him run drills, watching him in the three cone and the 20 yard uh, shuttle. I mean, he ran, I think the fastest times in I think five years at the combine in both of those, his route running, his fluidity, his hands, it's it's no doubt who was the winner out of wide receivers. And that's not me with scarlet colored glasses. And listen, he didn't run in the 40. There was, there were rumors uh, swirling that he wasn't going to run because he still hasn't got his, his track speed back yet. And that he, he was timing in the four eights, which if he's timing in the four eights, that would, that would certainly ding him. I think he was smart to not run the 40, if that's the case, because everything else about that workout, flawless. And it would be very, very sad if he got dinged on something that quite honestly isn't going to matter that much to him as a player, because I don't care how slow he runs the 40, 
That's not where he's going to beat you. Just watch him get open. Like that's all he does is get open and catch passes and not just catch passes, catch poorly thrown passes off, you know, at times. Make acrobatic catches. You know, he makes guys miss in short with short area quickness. I think he's, he's a top, I think he should be drafted in the top 10. He's probably going to fall because people are a little, you know, weary about him. He shouldn't. Like he really shouldn't, but he will. I, I would, but I, I don't know if he's going to go past 16 anymore. There are a lot of people who are saying, oh, he's round two. You know, he's not that great. You know, he, he benefited from Chris Olave and, and Garrett Wilson. Ha, 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 ha. Go watch the Rose Bowl again. Just, just go watch it. And before you say, well, Utah was playing a, a running back at, at defensive back. Most of those plays were against Clark Phillips, who is an NFL corner. Stop it. He's really good. And I'm bummed that we didn't get to see him with Marv and with Emeka Ibuka. That that's that's very sad. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll we'll get to the rest of the breakdown. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. We're gonna talk corners. Uh the Big Ten showed out at corner. DJ Turner, 4-2-6 in the 40. For those of you who are like, what do these numbers mean? That's flying. It's flying. DJ Turner was flying, man. And then right behind him, Jacorian Bennett and Deontay Banks out of Maryland. A 4-3 for Bennett and a 4-3-5 for Banks. That's Joey Porter Jr., who, you know, I don't think was ever going to test as well in speed. I think he ran a 4.49. He's a much longer corner prospect. I still think he's a first rounder. But those three times are going to get those guys some nice bumps in some ratings rooms for, for different franchises. Um, both Maryland corners tested really, really well. Banks and Bennett, both over 11 feet in the broad jump. Uh, the, the vertical jumps, again, both Maryland corners. Uh, Bennett with 40 and a half inches. Banks with 42. I mean, it's just, it's just great. I mean, they really, all three of those guys helped themselves. And so I don't know if, I, I don't know if, that will push any of them up to first round consideration, but I would not be surprised if this bumped all three of them into day two consideration, especially knowing the premium uh, that is placed on cornerback. Um, now, again, you'll have to look at needs and size and all that, but I all three of those guys really showed out in at least in their athleticism. And that's going to, that's going to get them a lot of points when it comes to who are you going to draft, especially later in the draft. So I, I could see, I could see day two picks for all three of them for sure with the way they tested. Um, again, not guaranteed, but I, I think it's, it's, I think it's very possible. I think Joey Porter, uh, I, you know, I thought he would run better. He ran a four four seven. Um, I think his first um on his first 40, which is not it's not bad by any means. It's certainly not blazing, but he's I mean, he's a six foot two corner. He's long, and if you watch his tape, you know, he, he's still got some things that he's got to clean up, but you know, go watch the tape with him and Marvin Harrison, right? Harrison won's won a few battles against him, but I, I don't know if there's a corner that did a better job of competing with him uh, outside of maybe the Michigan corners. Joey Porter was really, really good against Marvin Harrison. Um, and at, at times they had to move Harrison around that he still beat Harrison or he still beat Porter. And, you know, it's not like Porter was locked down. I mean, Harrison, 
I think had over a hundred yards in that game and eight catches. So, but I, I thought he acquitted himself nicely considering the competition uh, for safeties. Uh, the Illinois safeties did really well. Both ran in the four fours, uh, Jatarvius Martin, Sidney Brown. Um, and that's, that's significant. The safety class is not very strong this year. It's not a very strong safety class. Um, Martin and Brown also did well in the vertical and broad jumps. Um, I would not be surprised if that gets them both into day two or at the top of, of day three. Again, I don't, I don't think the safeties, I don't, I don't think a lot are going to get drafted before round three, if I'm honest. Um, but I think both Illini safeties, the, both of those might be the t- in the top five safeties now, especially because Brandon Joseph out of Notre Dame did not test well. Of course, Brandon Joseph, formerly out of, of Northwestern, he did not test very well. Jordan Battle out of Alabama did not test very well. So I, I think there's real potential for the Illini defensive backs here to make some noise, be in the top five of that position group in this draft. So good on them. Again, man, I don't know what uh, – Brett Bielema is a magician. <laughs> He's like to turn that that program around and have this many NFL uh, – guys this so soon in his tenure uh is is pretty remarkable um defensive lineman uh keanu benton was the only one that really had a noticeable 40 and it wasn't great right he he ran in the the fives um so eh yeah this is more interior lineman or like uh down down line, and we're not talking about edge rushers necessarily. Um, he had a good three cone drill, and you know, I again I, I don't know if that's gonna get him super well recognized. Mozzie Smith didn't do much. I don't I don't think he actually tested much, but he did have he did have the best bench press uh out of th- he had 34 reps at 225, um, which is very significant. That's four more than the next highest guy. Um, so I, you know, I think Mozzie Smith is probably going to be, is a, a late round a late first round pick. Um, and Keanu, Keanu Benton has probably helped himself a little bit, but maybe day three, uh, that would be my guess. Um, I maybe fifth or sixth round at this point, you know, I'd have to do more digging, but you know, to be in that notable 40 yard dash time as an, as an, interior lineman you know okay good good um linebackers uh not much uh in ways of good for the big 10 um jack campbell did have a good vertical jump and broad jump um you know jack campbell was never gonna be a guy that you know was gonna wow you with speed he's just a fundamental ball player and I love me some Jack Campbell because he's opportunistic. He, he plays well. Uh, you know, he, he, he's smart. He he's, he's going to be the type of guy that you could plug, plug in for 10 years and he's going to be a captain of your defense, but he's, he's not going to be on the outside. He's not going to, he's not going to be able to cover guys necessarily uh, all throughout, but he's, he's a ball player. And so, the fact that he still tested well in the jumps, I think that's that's going to help him stay in that day two range. Um, so I, you know, I thought Jack Campbell was good. I realized I totally missed in the corners. Um, Riley Moss had a decent a decent workout. Um, let me look here. Got to go back here, but I totally forgot about Riley Moss, and I don't know how you could because he's been so so excellent uh over the past couple of years um riley moss had a really nice 10 yard split um you know but again he's gonna have to be uh i would not be surprised if he falls to like day th- 
later in day two, maybe early day three. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think there's certainly room for him. Sorry, I'm just looking up because they didn't have all the all the stuff on him um, on the website I was looking at. Um, I'll get back to it. But yeah, Riley Moss, uh, Jair Brown in the safeties too. Uh, I, I think they're, they're wild cards. I don't know if they tested super. I don't even know if they actually did a lot of drills, um, which we'll talk about in a minute. Let's talk about edge rushers real quick. And then I want to, I want to get to, I want to get to people who didn't test and then I want to talk about quarterbacks. So edge rushers, um, there are a couple of guys who really stood out, um, in the big 10. First of all, Nolan Smith out of Georgia, not big 10, uh, sub four, four forty for an edge rusher. That's pretty good. He was hurt all year. Uh, he's a stud. Go figure. Georgia produces good de defenders. Duh. Um, also, Robert Beal out of Georgia. 4-4-8. Four, 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 good defensive schools are good. Yes. Uh, but the guy who I think really helped himself, Adetamiwa Adeboare. Northwestern fans don't hate me for butchering his name. But Adeboare, I'm totally messing up that name. Out of Northwestern, four four nine in the forty, and and not only that, but he did great in the in the broad jump, ten feet five inches, uh, second in bench press, twenty seven reps, like, and guys, he's a two hundred eighty pound edge rusher. That's moving, man, and so he's going up the charts. And another guy, Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa, he had a really good day, ran a four, five, eight, had a really nice three cone drill. Um, and so he's going to help himself. Uh, my guess is probably, you know, day three, but again, climbing day three, that's, you know, that's what part of this is all about. You want to get yourself recognized. So I thought he did really, really well. Um, Zach Harrison out of Ohio state had a, had a good bench press. He also measured well, you know, just very long, very lean. I'm going to, I'm going to jump off and, you know, y'all, if you've been following the podcast, all you know, I'm an Ohio state guy, but I am not beneath ripping Ohio state guys. Zach Harrison is one of them. Actually is, is three defenders that were at the combine, um, Cam Brown and, uh, Zach Harrison. And there was another guy. I can't even remember. Uh, Oh, Ronnie Hickman, Ronnie Hickman. All those guys had opportunities to boost their draft stock. If they ran or if they, they participate in drills, Zach Harrison, at least participated in a few drills. Zach Harrison, I think has first round potential. If he runs well, right. He didn't run. You know, he had the the audacity to clap back at someone saying that Michigan was edge rush you by saying no Ohio State is. Well, listen, last time I checked, you, you've gotten your butts whooped by Michigan the past two years. Somewhat by their edge rushers. So maybe zip it. You know, you've got Cam Brown talking trash about how he's going to run a four, two in the 40, how he's the fastest corner in the country. And then he doesn't run. Really? Ronnie Hickman, you know, talking about how, how he could be, you know, such and such doesn't run. And this is my, there are times where it's smart not to run. Right. It, there are times it's smart not to do certain things. So Jackson totally makes sense not to run because it's not essential for him. Like he needs to show that he's still a first round wide receiver. The 40 is not going to help him in that. Like the, the three cone drill, the 20 yard shuttle, 
the the wide receiver drills, all that stuff. That's going to help him more. C.J. Stroud, which we haven't talked about yet, didn't need to run the 40. I know people wanted him to, but listen, trying to run against Anthony Richardson is just going to be a fool's errand because nobody's going to beat him in the 40, as we'll talk about. But to come out and say, I'm the fastest corner and I'm going to show you all what I'm going to do and say, nah, I'm going to wait till pro day. Well, that that's just what Ohio State's defense has done all year, right? We're going to be awesome at the end of the year. Gives up 42 and 45 in the last two games. No, 40, 45 and 42 in the last two games of the season. Your biggest games of the year. Blow the Georgia game and just be absolutely brutal against, honestly, an okay quarterback and an okay receiving core. No offense to Michigan fans. Maybe stop talking trash and instead of talking the talk, you should walk the walk. And listen, first of all, I, I know I'm speaking harshly about college athletes. They're soon to not be college athletes. They're soon to be pro athletes. That's one. Second, this is not, not just an indictment on them. It's an indictment on the culture. Listen, defensive coaches, maybe help your guys stop talking and start doing. Because this has been the trend for the past year or the past two years. We're going to be a top 10 defense. Heck, I wish we, I wish we would, Ryan Day would have said we were top, we were aiming for a top five defense because that's what we're going to be. How about instead say, we got a lot of work to do and we're going to do it. And like Teddy Roosevelt once, once said, maybe we're going to speak softly and carry a big stick. two i'm gonna run a four two man it's I, I it's not just can't it's it's that whole bravado like swagger is fine i don't mind swagger but like if you're gonna have swag and then not even work out like what kind what what is that like you know, and if you're hurt, at least say that you're hurt, but no one has come out and said that they're hurt yet. So I, I just don't understand. It's it's the weirdest thing. Anyway, sorry. That's that's neither here nor there. I yeah. Um I I've decided to go on a tangent. That's fine. Uh quarterbacks. This is the last thing we're gonna talk about. And I, I'm going to start by just lamenting the fact that we're about to enter the same old discussion that happens every year. And it's the discussion that we have talked about two quarterbacks for the better, better part of a year and a half that are easily quarterback one and two or quarterback one A and one B, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud but we've had more time to pick apart their tape. And so, you know what, what we do, we say, well, they're all reliable, but here are these new shiny toys over here. And you know what? They're better. They're so much better. I don't know why they're better. They just are because they run fast because that matters in quarterbacking. Anthony Richardson, I, well, first of all, let me just say this. I have no problem with Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. No problem whatsoever. Like, I think they are, they have a lot of tools. Uh, I think Anthony Richardson is still very raw, but that's okay. Like, you can be raw. It's okay to be raw as a prospect, as long as you get good coaching. Um, but Anthony, Anthony Richardson had a heck of a workout, right? And, and, you know, he threw fairly decently, right? He, you know, he looked the part, uh, at least in terms of as an athlete, he ran a four, 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 a four, 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 40. 
He had a 10 foot, nine inch broad jump. Will Levis had a 10 foot, four inch broad jump. Richardson had a 40 in 40 and a half inch vertical jump. Like th those are really great numbers. You know, it's really too bad that Anthony Richardson can't throw the ball to himself. Right. He has arm strength for days, you know, cannon for an arm, but I get annoyed we start talking about it because it happens every year, every year. Well, you know, did you see how CJ struggled in this game against Northwestern in a cyclone? Yeah, I did because he was playing in a cyclone, right? But like people are like, oh, he might not even be a first rounder after that. What? Like, are you are you paying attention to Anthony Richardson, who in 12 games this past season completed over 60% of his passes four times? Once against Utah. Good team. He completed 70.8% uh, of his passes. Good job. He completed 60% of his passes on the dot in a loss to LSU. He completed 60.7% of his passes in a win over Texas A&M, right? That dumpster fire of a team this past year. And then he completed 80% of his passes. That's that's nice. Against Eastern, Eastern Washington. By the way, he only threw 10 passes in that game. Cool. Are we going to talk about his accuracy? We're like, well, you know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't surrounded by a great cast. He wasn't, he didn't have Marvin Harrison. He didn't have this. He didn't have, you know, the guys that Bryce Young has around him. He went nine of 27 against Florida State. Nine of 27. He completed a third of his passes. Nobody's bringing this up. Like, what? What? Like, if CJ had a day like that, or Bryce had a day like that, you'd think they, like, we'd be killing him. But because Richardson's fast, well, he's really rising up the ranks. He could be a top five pick. He could be the best quarterback in this draft. Are you nuts? Like, what are you doing? That's not how you evaluate quarterbacks, man. Will, Will Levis, and th this has been a longer time coming. Will Levis, it's it's the same. It, it, his accuracy is a little bit better, but if you look at this past season, he completed sixty over 60% of his passes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So better. Seven, seven out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So seven out of eleven. That's that's better. That's better. Threw for 19 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. You know, struggled against, you know, defensive standouts like Louisville, Vanderbilt, uh, Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee, by the way, not very good defensively. They, they just weren't. He's, he, he threw for 98 yards against Tennessee. Not in a cyclone, by the way, just in case if you were asking. My, my point is this. I, I think Will Levis and Richardson have great potential. They have good arm strength. They have, the, you know, all, all these tools. But when CBS puts out a winners and losers and says that Bryce Young was a loser because he didn't work out, you've lost your darn minds. Because just turn on the tape. Just just turn on the tape. Like maybe, and, and I get it, maybe he's a loser because maybe he's not a number one, the, you know, a number one overall pick lock anymore. 
maybe that's the case. But he's at worst going fourth. His arm strength, his ability to create, uh, his poise under pressure. Like his defense let him down in the Tennessee game and in the LSU game. Like that wasn't Bryce Young's fault. He's, he's a phenomenal player. And the guy that the only guy that should be in the quarterback one conversation with Bryce is CJ Stroud. And people were disappointed that he didn't run because they're like, we want to see his athleticism. Go watch him throw. Go watch him throw compared to Richardson and Levis. It's not even close. It's, it's, they're not in the same stratosphere. If I were a GM, and I know this isn't how the draft works, if I were a GM, I think I'm picking Stroud or Bryce Young in the first round. And that's it. Levis, too inconsistent. Richardson, too much of a project. Now, would I pick them in second or third round? Yes. Because they have great tools. Like, they have great tools. But here's the thing, and this is what drives me nuts when people start saying, well, but they have great tools. Yes, but a, a master can use bad tools and make it work better than a novice who has great tools that doesn't know how to use them. Richardson and Levis don't know how to use their tools well yet. Levis more so than, than Richardson. But it's it's the same thing. You know, somebody, somebody was saying that Richardson was a better prospect than Justin Fields. And I, I wanted to just, I'm like, Twitter is a, is a dumb place. Just there's great, like there's great potential. The flashes he shows that Richardson shows on film. Oh, I mean, there, there's some real gems. And I think his potentials through the roof, but you want to bank a franchise on that. Like it, it's like banking a franchise on a kid from BYU making a circus throw in a pro day. Yes, that was a shot at the Jets taking Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. It's like taking Trey Lance, who has done nothing, over a, pro over a proven guy in Justin Fields. Right. It's like it's like taking Jamarcus Russell because he can throw 80 yards from his butt. Because, you know, that matters in an NFL game. Listen, there are two elite quarterback prospects. And I don't even know if I would say elite. There are two really, really, really good quarterback prospects in this draft that are, if not day one starters, year one starters. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Now, will they will they pan out? I don't know. Nothing's guaranteed, especially not a quarterback in the NFL. But I like their chances way more than anybody else. And if if you're listening to noise and you're like, well, this this guy's arm strength, this guy's da 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 da, just just remember, they might work out, but they got a lot of work to do. I think Bryce and CJ, their floors are so much higher. And I think their ceilings are pretty high. And so I, I think I think a franchise will put themselves back three to five years if they draft either Will Levis or Anthony Anthony Richardson in the top ten. And it's not going to do Levis or Richardson any good because they're not in the place to, to help an NFL franchise yet. They're just not. Now give them a couple years, give them the Jalen hurts, you know, treatment, right. You know, let, let them be on the bench for a year or two, learn, grow, you know, sure. Right. 
like that could be dynamite. Give them time to grow. But you're gonna you're gonna give a guy maybe a top five pick. And his last game, he completed nine out of 27 passes. That's that's who you're gonna hand the keys to your offense. Are you nuts? CJ had go go back and watch his workout at the combine. I know it's not it's in it's not in pads, it's not anything, but go go watch that. And then do me a favor, go watch the Georgia game. Listen, as a Buckeye fan, I don't like watching old losses. I have watched his performance in that Georgia game maybe a half dozen times, a, a cut up of it. It's a virtuoso. It it's it it is a fun in a losing effort. It was a virtuoso performance against the best defense in the country, and he was doing it without a lot of guys. Marv wasn't in there in the last part of the game. Cade Stover got hurt. He literally on his fourth string running back. The dude was a baller, and that's all I needed to see to say this this kid. He's he's elite, or he could be elite. And Bryce, I've seen Bryce do the same thing against Georgia, against other teams. Those guys, those guys have it, and you you don't want to let that get away, especially not for guys that you know haven't shown that in games as as much. So. If I had to guess, if I were picking at the top of the draft, I'd pick CJ over Bryce at this point. Um, that's a preference, though. I, I don't think... I, I think, you know, for people who say, well, Bryce is way better than CJ or CJ is way better than Bryce, they're full of it. I think at this point, you're you're picking you're picking via preference. Do you, Would you rather have more escapability or would you have a more polished thrower? Uh, and Bryce is a, a very polished thrower. I'm not trying to say he's not, but but CJ is. He is more polished. Uh, he is the, he is the Peyton Manning esque quarterback of this class. And he is he is darn good. Oh, he's darn good. Um, so that's it. I, I I'll be back probably in a couple weeks uh, to talk a little bit more about draft, talk about mock drafts, things like that. But again, make sure to leave a review. Thanks for listening. This has been the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. Take care. God bless.